0: Welcome to Missing Bits, the podcast for amputees and non-amputees if you happen to be listening in conjunction with Limbs for Life. Today we have a big welcome to Glenn Bedwell, a 62-year young man from the magical Gold Coast, a member of our National Council. Glenn lost his leg way back in 1991 and had osseointegration done. I've been looking forward to asking about that and finding out all about Glenn. Hi Glenn, how's today find you?
1: Good afternoon, Gary. Yeah, I'm just fine. Thank you. Another lovely day living up here on the Gold Coast.
0: Monday, one day, Tuesday the next. Something along those lines, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. You enjoy you enjoy the Gold Coast?
1: We have, yeah. We've only been living here for a bit over a year, um, but very much enjoy it. It's uh, We're living right on the, the broad water, so right on the coast as such. Yep. Um, it's, and being an amputee, um, I'm really enjoying the nice flat ground, and getting out there and getting some uh, exercise, walking every day. For sure, uh, which is it's got to be good for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No one wants to do it, but it's good for you.
1: I actually enjoy it. I'm, I'm getting up at about five, five, fifteen every morning and, and going for a, a good walk. A good walk. I'm doing at least at least ten kilometres every day, so it's got to be doing me some good.
0: My um, my father-in-law lived on the Gold Coast. Um, for years and years and years, so I know it pretty well. And it is pretty flat. Good place to get up early because the sun's always shining.
1: Absolutely. Just where, you grow up? where did you grow I up? Where did you grow up? I grew up in
0: Sydney. I Sydney? In
1: Sydney, born in Balmain. Yep, born in Balmain. Tigers fan? Um, grew up, sorry
0: man? Balmain Tigers fan? Uh, yep,
1: yeah, correct, correct lived about the first uh, four or five years in Balmain, then we moved to Dock, and then when my wife and I got married, we lived in up then, North Epping, and then we moved to Cairns.
0: Nice. You went to school where? In Sydney?
1: Yeah, in Sydney. Drummond Public and then Dremoyne Boys High.
0: Nice. What type of student were you?
1: Interested, I guess, is one, one, uh, uh, one way of describing it.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. I don't think
1: I was a difficult student. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. So there was, at home when you were a kid, there was mum and dad, yourself, and?
1: i got a younger brother and a younger sister.
0: Nice. What about after school? What did you do then?
1: Oh, back in those days, it was uh, riding a pushbike around um, and just having fun with your mates.
0: Yeah, it was a different time, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was a safe time. All you knew was you had to be home before the sun set and uh, all would be good with the world.
0: (laughs) And when when you left school, what did you want to do?
1: Um, I only ever applied for two jobs. Uh, I, uh, I applied for what was called OTC at the time, Overseas Telecommunication, um, uh, as a technical job there. And I also applied for a job as an aircraft maintenance engineer with Qantas. Right. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, to be offered both positions and um, I actually uh, started work with Qantas in 1972.
0: Excellent. That's become... Um... Yeah. Bigger than Ben Hur, Qantas.
1: Yeah, it's in the it's in the uh, it's in the press a fair bit nowadays, isn't it? Uh, it is rather. Yeah. I uh, I ended up working for Qantas and many different jobs. I got out of engineering after around about uh, 11, 12 years into customer service. Um, worked in a lot of different uh, positions there, uh, then got into. Well, I lost my leg, um, which. Uh, which uh, saw me being given, being put into a desk job for a few years um, that was technical training, um, writing manuals and that sort of thing. And then I went back to the airport again, or back to airports, and um, was duty airport
0: manager up in Cairns. Sure. How did you meet your wife?
1: Oh, many years ago. uh, Probably back in those days, it was how a lot of us met our, our partners. It was at a church function. Right. She was fairly young and so was I. But yep. um, it, we've remained together all those years.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't happen enough these days.
1: No. No, no, It's no. just got to take a, a little bit of working um, and a lot of respect for each other and a lot of care for each other and uh, it can happen.
0: How did having kids change your life? Uh,
1: probably slowed us down a little bit. Um, but it was most enjoyable. We uh, we got two boys, two sons, um, and having enjoyed having them um, since day one. Yep. They both have children of their own now. Um, our eldest son uh, lives over in in uh, Orlando, in Florida, in America, and uh, he has a um, uh, our granddaughter and a grandson over there, and. Back here in Australia, up in Cairns, is our youngest son with two two granddaughters there.
0: Sure, I've had um, two grandsons born this year, and I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Just about you enjoy having grandkids?
1: Oh, absolutely. Your your relationship, your feeling, your your attachment, I guess, um, with your grandchildren is different to the attachment you have with your own own children. Um, uh, I guess by now you're a little bit more relaxed um, with your grandchildren um, and it's just wonderful watching them grow and develop, especially again, especially now that we're retired. So we haven't got that that work issue coming into it. We can actually spend a, a lot of quality time with our grandkids.
0: Yep. When did you retire?
1: Uh, About four years ago, um, uh, my wife and I were on a holiday actually. We were driving from Chicago in America across to Los Angeles on Route 66, just a nice slow four week drive. And we got about halfway across when I got a phone call in the early hours of the morning from my boss asking me whether I'd be interested in taking uh, early retirement, uh, in which I um, immediately went downstairs, got printed out an email, signed the forms, emailed them back to my boss in Cairns and uh, went back to bed. And, um, yeah, six months later, I'd retired. Well, eh? Very fortunate.
0: You're enjoying the retirement?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We still, we, because we've got the two grandchildren and, and son and daughter-in-law over in Orlando, we go over there fairly often and, and go for two to three months at a time. Yeah. Um, spending with them. Um yeah, we're off again in a, another few weeks back over there for uh, another visit and we'll spend Christmas with them. And, Excellent. Uh, and this Christmas is going to be a special one because our, our son, daughter-in-law and the two granddaughters that live in Cairns are coming over in December and also going to be over in Orlando for Christmas. So we'll have uh, we'll have the four grandkids together. and It's going to be very special.
0: Excellent. The whole family together in one spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 1991, tell us about what yeah. happened. Uh,
1: 1991, um, it was a Sunday afternoon, some early evening. Um, we were at a celebration barbecue at a, at a friend's house in a suburb of Cairns and it um, uh, came time to start packing up to head home. And um, I took uh, an esky and, a, and, and some fold-out chairs out to our car. It was parked out the front of our friend's house, um, and I was loading those items into the boot of my wife's car when um, when a drunk driver lost control and ran into the back of her car, and um, and done a little bit of damage to my body.
0: Yeah.
1: He um, he took me into the into the back of it. Back of or the boot of our car and then he slid back out of the boot and, and degloved the, the back of my right leg from the, um, just above the knee down to the ankle. Um, there was a fair amount of blood loss because it ripped the artery out. Uh, fortunately, a mutual friend that was at the barbecue um, was very quickly on the scene and was able to stem the blood flow. He, he got right up in the groin and, and, and was holding the, the, the artery to, to slow down the blood flow. Um, ambulance, couple of police cars, um, straight into Cairns Base Hospital, and um, some fabulous doctors spent a month trying to rebuild my leg sure. um, with many operations. Um, and then, unfortunately, I contracted a... Um, there was an issue with the artery in my right leg Uh, became infected they weren't sure where it was they were battling drugs etc but um, I was sitting up in bed one evening having my dinner and apparently the artery blew Um, I lost all my blood and um, basically you know died Um, I was fortunate there I was found the second time or I found um, they the nurses um, cut into the elbows, the groin, the neck, and fed blood into everywhere they could pump blood into, um, and then a, a, a wonderful surgeon, uh, Dr. Roxanne Wu, uh, came to try and see what she could salvage and found that there was there was nothing left of the leg that she could salvage once they'd stemmed the blood flow, yep. so um, my right leg came off above the knee.
0: Sure. So that would have been the femoral artery? Yes. Yep. Yes, of course. That's... Um, yeah, of course. For, for people that don't know, um, the femoral artery, um, you can bleed out in a couple of minutes and be gone. So I would assume that you're pretty yeah. lucky to be here.
1: Twice. I'm very lucky to
0: be here twice. Yep. Yes. How was um, recovery?
1: Well, after, um, the the four weeks that they were trying to rebuild my leg and, and save my leg, um, I knew everybody. I knew all the doctors, all the nurses. I knew what they were doing, and I knew what had happened to me. I, um, strangely enough, I was still conscious when we arrived at the hospital uh, in the ambulance, and I actually signed my own admission form to come in. Wow! I guess I must have been in, must have been in pretty. Pretty bad shock. Um, unfortunately, when, when I extenuated, when I bled out four weeks later um, uh, with blood loss to the to the, to the head, blood loss to the brain, um, I then suffered, might as well call it amnesia or, 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 or total loss of memory of the preceding four weeks. Right. Um, I had no idea where I was, what I was doing there, why I was there. Um, one of the one of the uh, physiotherapy nurses wrote out an A four piece of paper, itemising what had happened to me, so that uh, every time I asked somebody, "What the hell was I doing here?", they'd hand me the paper to work to read. Um, I was sort of I don't know I must have had a premonition from day one in hospital. Um, I badgered my wife to to bring a camera in, and in those days rolls of film, and um, I badgered her. Every day to take photos of me and my you know, my leg, what they were doing to me, yep. trying to put me back together. Um, those photos are now my memory sure. of that time. Sure. So yeah, once I lost my leg, uh, I, I, it was a fairly quick transition then to to um, to get up and, and 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 become mobile to a certain degree. Sure. Um, it was very important to me to to become. As normal a person as possible, as quickly as possible, yeah. Um, and to, to, well, bottom line, I, I just wanted to get back to work and you know, earn sure. some money and, and, and feel, strangely enough to say, but to feel whole again.
0: It's a, it's a from the from speaking to people over the last few weeks um, about their recovery and stuff like that. It seems to be a, re- a recurring theme amongst amputees that we want to get up and get moving again and get our lives back.
1: Absolutely. Totally. That, that, was, that was my goal. That was my aim. That was, um, that's what I had to achieve. Remembering, you know, I was the breadwinner of the family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was to, to feel helpless and sit around and do nothing. I still had a lot to contribute both in the, in, the, in, the, in the working environment and in the family environment, and it was important to get back on track.
0: How, how important during recovery and rehab and stuff was um, the support you got? How important was that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, I received a lot of support from, from um, friends and, and, and my wife especially. Um, we didn't have any family as such that lived in Cairns, um, everybody, really, everybody was from Sydney. Um, so we certainly had a lot of a lot of family up there at time. We're up in at times to assist me, um, and I had a lot of good doctors and good medical people around me.
0: How long did it take you to get back to work?
1: Uh, about, about. about three months, three and a half months, um, which I believe was fairly quick, um, especially seeing as my position was a mobile position where where I, uh, I spent a reasonable amount of time each day walking around. So um, uh, it, it was a quick quick thing to learn how to walk again um, in hospital, uh, the physios teaching me. And then, of course, um, uh, they were building me um, some very basic legs that were basically a, um, a plaster of Paris socket um, that and was held on with straps and belts, et cetera, et cetera, and not much more than a bit of water pipe for a leg. Yeah. Um, in, in those early days, your you, you stump changes shape you know, almost daily or weekly, especially if you are mobile well on it. And, um, yeah, I was mobile well on it like 10-hour you know, shifts at a time Walking around an airport. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, the stuff was changing a lot. Um, I was learning to to, to cope with it. To learning to walk. There was a um, there was a couple of incidences where uh, my attempt to uh, to be vertical um, didn't work, which uh, which created some issues. But yeah, generally speaking, um, the the head was the, the, the second thing that had to, to learn how to cope with what was going on. Sure. And I, I dare say that um, ultimately the, the getting the head in, in, in the place that it had to be long-term took longer than the, the physical.
0: Sure. Sure. Would you mind taking a second just to explain to people that don't know about it what osteointegration is?
1: Sure, sure, sure. It's it's O-S-S-E-O integration. Um Traditionally, amputees wear a socket-based prosthesis, so it's, call it a bucket if you like. Yep. It's, uh, it's moulded to the shape of your residual limb or your stump and uh, it, it can be held on by a number of different ways, whether it's whether it's um, belts and, and uh, that sort of thing to hold it onto your stump or whether it's a suction fit as such. Um but primarily, that form of prothesis hasn't changed in hundreds of years. That's right. Um, or, originally, it was carved out of timber, and then, of course, it comes through all different different um, uh, materials nowadays, right through to carbon fibres, etc. Uh, I, back in two thousand and twelve, um, heard about osteointegration and one, I, there's a few negatives, sorry, I'll go backwards. There's sure. a few negatives with the success of the thesis. Um, not only is it um, ill fitting, even though it doesn't matter how good it is or how well made it is, it's ill fitting in the sense of um, you only have to gain or lose a minute amount of weight or volume, and the, the, the damn thing doesn't fit as good as it did yesterday or the day before. That's right. Um, because, because, it sits on your skin like that, and, and to take weight, you take weight in your groin bone and your bum bone up the back. You actually, like, sit on that part of it. So you you end up with a fair bit of um, skin irritation because of that. Yep. Um, and then, of course, your your stump or uh, moves up and down in the prosthesis, so it's sort of like a loose glove, almost, on your hand. Um, so then... Oseointegration uh, came about and I heard about it and I was having I was having some issues in, in the in the um, material my sockets were were being made out of. I, I do have sensitive skin yep. and the, the, the materials were starting to create issues against my skin, burning sensations. Well osteointegration is is a is a it's a process whereby the femur is is bored out, is drilled out, so that the middle of the bone is is drilled out, almost up to to the joint, uh, up to the socket where it joins up in your hip, and then a titanium rod is inserted into that bone. The titanium has a, a rough surface, similar looking to say volcanic rock. So what actually happens is the bone. Um, that the, the rod is in, the bone actually grows in and around that rough surface yep. and actually grabs hold of it. And then um, there's a another section that comes from within in the this titanium, and it comes external to the skin, so a hole at the bottom of your stump, and um, an attachment is there that the prosthesis bolts onto. So in other words, the prosthesis then becomes part of your bone structure yes. rather than hanging off your skin. Um, so it means you can, there's an osseo feeling, there's a, um, when you stand and your foot or feet are on the ground, you can feel the ground up through your bone structure. Uh, you can feel the difference when you're walking on carpet or sand or grass or concrete. Um, and it's a, the osseo perception is is an amazing thing you also sense where your leg is in space so when you're walking you don't have to look down to see is my foot under me or is my foot still you know flowing through you you, you can sense where your foot is because it's attached to your bone structure sure so this marvelous surgeon by the name of uh, Professor el Ndameris at Macquarie University Hospital um, performed osteointegration surgery on me in July two thousand and twelve. I was his thirteenth patient, and I haven't looked back since.
0: That's wonderful. That's an amazing procedure. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I um, uh, one of the things that I don't mind doing is is becoming a patient advocate for Munjid. Yep. In other words, uh, if I happen to be in Sydney and he happens to have a, an information session on, uh, which has happened, um, and also happened in New York over in America, and um, I don't mind going along there and just being able to talk to prospective patients or interested family members, et cetera, et cetera, and show them and talk to them about the benefits from a patient's point of view, rather than just listen to the technical aspects um, or read, just read the technical aspects.
0: Sure. I think um, I think if we're lucky enough to have you in um, Canberra next year for the conference, you might get mobbed now.
1: Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, Mel's actually asked me to speak at the conference about, uh, from my point of view, uh, the benefits to a patient for osteoarthritis. So good. Yeah, I I'll that. look forward to that one.
0: Yes, Gary. So, tell us about Footloose stories.
1: Oh, just there's there's a few funny things that have happened along the years. I uh, I published online. um, um, What was her name? Um, God damn, Paul McCartney's wife. That was the Heather Mills. Uh, Heather Mills McCartney. Yeah, Heather Mills had a had a site. Um, and I think it was about the first online site for amputees all those years ago. I remember. And, um, and I was, I was hunting down information, uh, et cetera, et cetera on it. And I put a, I put an idea forward saying, look, you know, everybody's, um, telling their doom and gloom stories and, and asking technical questions about what they should do, this, that, and the other. And I, and I suggested, look, I, I think we need a topic on here online, um, funny things that have happened to us. And we could call it A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. So <laughs> picked up and they So, um, and so I posted the first couple of stories on uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Um, uh, one of them was, uh, if you're after an example, one of them was, um, I'd been to Sydney for uh, a checkup and, and for some work done on my prosthesis, remembering uh, this is back in the soccer-based prosthesis days. And um, uh, come Friday afternoon, my prosthesis is, is putting my leg back together, or my prosthesis back together, and found that the, the, the structure of the foot um, had broken. And so he said, we're going to have to whack a new foot on it." It's okay. So he dug around, and he unfortunately didn't have a foot the right size. Right. Obviously, I've got to wear a pair of shoes, etc. So he had to bandsaw the, um, the toes off the foot, <laughs> had so sort of cut, cut it back to the right size. Well, that, that was all fine and good. So I uh, fitted the leg on straight out to the airport to fly home to CAMS. Um, remembering I worked for quite a bit of time, so I was flying back on a 747 aircraft. I'm walking down the aero bridge to, to, to board the aircraft, and my foot spun around. Um, yep. So the bolt that attaches the foot onto the, the lower leg unfortunately had had loosened, foot spun, okay. So I'm flicking the foot, or flicking the leg forward so the foot goes forward so I can walk onto the aircraft. I sit down in my aisle seat and I thought, well, this is going to be fun. I'm going to try and work out a way of being able to tighten this, this bolt up. Um, I, knew, I knew there was a flight engineer on the aircraft, so I asked the cabin crew member, can you ask the flighty if I can borrow those Allen keys, which she did, when she could see what the situation was. And then I thought, well, how am I going to do this? If I go into the bathroom, in the aircraft and take my leg off to, to, to take the shoe off to tighten the foot up. I might not be able to get the leg on because the body swells a little bit and it was yep. a very tight-fitting sock that I had. Um, so I thought, well, the only thing I can do is pull the leg of my pants up, unbolt the leg off the socket, leaving the socket on my stump, and then work on it there sitting in my aisle seat. So I, I asked the crew member for a, a newspaper that I could lay on the table so I could work on it, pop the leg off, put it up, pulled the shoe off, and then I thought, oh, this is going to go anywhere Well, I pulled the sock off, and there's the foot with all the toes cut off it. <laughs> so I that up, tight- tightened the foot up, put the shoe on, put- bolted it back on, stood up and, and just walked gingerly around to make sure that the alignment was okay and it was all nice and tight. Happy as Larry. Not one person said a word to me. No. Until the aircraft landed and taxied in and pulled up, and the gentleman sitting opposite aisle turn around and said, that was the best in-flight entertainment I have ever had. <laughs> and uh, that was quite good. That was quite
0: good. I was on a flight from um, Sydney to LA going back 2001 or two, somewhere around there. And we uh, got to the point where my leg started to swell a bit in the socket and it became uncomfortable and I I kicked it sort of half off and then it became a little bit more uncomfortable. So I ended up making the biggest mistake of all time and I took it off. I tucked it under the seat in front of me. We get we get to LA and I cannot get it back on. I could get it halfway on and that was it. So walking through security at LAX, looking a bit like John Cleese with one leg that was about – Six inches longer than the other one. I thought <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. No one else thought it was hilarious. They just kept staring.
1: Yes. Yes, I understand.
0: How about climbing ladders?
1: Oh, well, yeah, right. I, 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 it was after I'd had Osseo integration. I, I was on a day off and we had a, a lemon tree in the backyard up in Cairns and um, it was fairly overgrown, needed some trimming done. So my wife was at work, so I thought, I'll oh, bugger it. I got the ladder out, and I climbed up through the middle of the lemon tree up to the top, and, and I'm cutting the limbs off the lemon tree, and I obviously moved the wrong way, and then the next thing I know, I'm falling through the lemon tree, landing on top of a dog box, <laughs> and um, did, a, did, a bit of, little, did a little bit of damage to the, to the osteointegration Part of my leg and uh, yeah, I was, I was a little bit, uh, little bit, little bit uncomfortable. Um, my wife yelled at me, and yelled at me, and yelled at me, and uh, Mudgey yelled, yelled at me, and yelled at me, and yelled at me. And hence, I'm not allowed to climb ladders anymore.
0: Fair enough, too. Yeah. What's next Another for Glenn? Funny
1: one, I'll give you one more funny one. Yeah, go for it. Well, a few years back, my uh, three-year three-year-old granddaughter, Cody, up in Cairns, she um, she pulled a doll or took a doll into her mum and said, hey, mum, look at this. This is my puppy doll. And she pulled the leg off the doll. Oh. <laughs> the that was her puppy doll. I thought that was lovely.
0: That's great. So what, what's next for Glenn?
1: What's next for me? Well, I try and keep, well, well I do keep busy. Um I uh, recently completed a peer support training with, with Mel for Limbs for Life. Um, um, I'm also the Queensland rep on, on Limbs for Life National Amputee Advisory Council. Yep. Um, uh, as I said to you, I, uh, I do a bit of work for Munjit um, when he's got uh, clinics for new amputees. Um, whenever I am... Sydney, I uh, always duck over to Macquarie Uni Hospital and, and have a word to any of the new integration patients over there, fly the flag, um, answer questions from a patient's perspective, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that sort of thing. Other than that, continue travelling, continue enjoying life.
0: Sounds like you're going to be relaxed but busy.
1: Well, surprisingly how busy you can be when you retire. Um, <laughs> I don't need do that. I think I'll I'll just keep working. Yeah, I had every intention when when I retired. I had every because i have worked for the airline for 42 and a half years, and uh, so you know, like I I was very much used to working. I had every intention of getting a part time job or doing some voluntary work or something along those lines. But haven't really had the time.
0: Sure. I've been I've been asking everyone at the end. <clears throat> excuse me. I've been asking everyone at the end um, to consider who might be listening and, and how we might help them understand our lives or um, be motivated by our lives. Um, so some words of wisdom or, or a life motto that helps you through the dark times.
1: Uh, I guess I'm fairly busy. I, I don't, I've don't. been an entity for long enough now that I don't have many dark times. Yep. I'm, I'm more than happy that... There are things that um, restrict what I'm capable of achieving, such as uh, such as riding a push bike. I've not tried riding a push bike, and I'm not prepared to because I don't want to hurt myself. Sure. Um, I, I found that the, the vast majority of, of things that you want to do can still be done. Um, it's just that at times you've got to stop and think about how to approach the issue. Yep. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest hint there was the first night that I was home in Cairns after losing my leg from hospital. I, I knew that i disturbed my wife tossing and turning all night, so I got up bright and early in the morning and uh, went down to the kitchen on my crutches and thought, well, I'll just make myself a cup of tea and sit so down down here until she wakes up. And I made myself a cup of tea, and once the tea was made, I looked at the cup, and I looked at the crutches, and I thought, well, how the hell am I going to get my tea from here in the kitchen over to the dining area or over to a, to a chair. So I just had a thought about, oh, bugger it. I got a thermos out with a drawer, I put my tea into a thermos, screwed the lid on, shoved it in the front of my jocks, and then went over to the table and sat down. And I thought, mm, this is how I'm going to need to approach a lot of things in life now. Sure. you am got to do something and there's a difficulty. You can't do it the way you used to, so just stop and think about it for a minute and most things can be achieved.
0: Don't yep. let
1: it get you down. Great life is, is, is possible after amputation.
0: Yep. Wise you just got
1: to be driven. you just got to be
0: motivated. Thank you so much for your time today, Glenn, um, and thank you for being open and honest. Um, we'll um, hopefully see you in Canberra next year, and maybe we can share a coffee. Or a glass of red, or three glasses of red. I'm open. There you go, I'm with (laughs) (laughs) you. So thanks so much for your time, mate. I really, really appreciate it. And it's been great getting to know you a bit. Thanks, heaps, Gary.
1: I've really enjoyed it too. I was a bit nervous at the start, but um, I've enjoyed the
0: the process. I wouldn't have known it, mate. You sounded great. So thanks thanks to everyone for listening today. And remember to rate, review, submit. Download wherever you listen to your podcast from. Thanks very much, Glenn. I appreciate your time. Okay,
1: Gary. All the best.
0: Cheers.